Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, pottering around the filibuster fireworks of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who would also like to have a drawer dedicated to us in Filch's office. I am, (laughs) as always, Sarah, and I'm here with my co-host, BJ and Spitzer. How are you? Doing fine, but man, yeah, I would go on a Wikipedia spiral for those drawers in a heartbeat. (laughs) That sounds like a fun read, because you know that guy would keep detailed notes. A whole drawer. BJ, how are you doing? I'm doing quite well. I, so, if I had to guess, I would say that Spencer had a more interesting permanent record file than you did, Sarah. I did, did okay. Did, I just, sure. I honestly, I, I don't know. I just imagine you as a very, very, very quiet high school student and Spencer being mostly quiet, but a little bit more picked on. Yeah, I didn't, I, I, I just went to high school. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, I did my work. Nothing else happened. Man, you, you started business life early. It's just like, I'm working the nine to five, then I go home. That's what it is. The summary I, I, am, of, I am working for my bonus. I just want my monthly bonus. <laughs> the summary of Sarah's high school years, that happened. That, uh, yeah. You're, you're um, also probably totally wrong, BJ. I was just as boring then as I am now. Oh, I just, I feel like there would be notes of, like, Spencer's being picked on by, you know, this person in class, and that would be the note. <laughs> Not that no. you actually did it, right. but like things somebody were observed was, about you. <laughs> exactly. Someone was doing stuff to you, or, or whatever. Much more reasonable bet. Also wrong, but much more reasonable oh, bet. You had a very nice high school. I did. I was, I was well-liked. I had a very nice high school, too, Spencer. I think that that, um, that plays into the having no drawers full of... <laughs> write-ups about us. Luckily, we've got Harry Potter to read to get a much more authentic high school experience than anything we, we all had. Yes, and today we are on Chapter 8, The Death Day Party. What a title. What a title and what a picture to go along with it. Oh god, that picture. It's not great. Um, so we have some things that we do in these episodes. We have a rapid fire. <laughs> we, we do things. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have a rapid fire recap. We have BJ's Wizard Wheezes, which I'm very excited to see what is going to happen this week. Um, and Spencer, you have newbies notes, and mm-hmm. I have word house points, and then you all ask me things. <laughs> Sarah, if you'd like to set a cap on how many things we ask, we can ask you, we could start discussing that. We can workshop it. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get into it. All right, let, let's start with the recap. Are we ready? Uh, again, are you setting the two-minute rule? I, I, I've been on a roll here. All right, best of luck to you. So we'll see how we go. So October is here, and the whole student body, including Jenny Weasley, seems to be sick. Harry runs into nearly headless Nick, the Gryffindor ghost, who is down about the fact that the half inch of skin holding his head to his neck disqualifies him from the headless hunt. Harry tells him about his Quidditch woes while he drips on the castle floor from a wet Quidditch practice. Mrs. Norris catches him, and Filch is hot on her heels. Filch is furious, marches Harry down to his office. He starts uh, writing a very dire write-up of Harry's crimes, and then there is a huge crash from the ceiling. Filch rushes out. Harry feels like he should wait. 
and finds on his desk a brochure for Quickspell, a correspondence course in beginner's magic, including testimonials from people who can now practice excellent magic. Filch comes back, susses out that Harry has seen the pamphlet, and, enraged and embarrassed, sends him away. Turns out Nick got Peeves to drop a cabinet, and now he'd like Harry to come to his death day party on Halloween. Hermione is interested, Ron is appalled, and what? while the Great Hall looks great on Halloween, they head down to the dungeons. There is creepy music, ghostly light, hundreds of specters, uh, rotten food, a ghost who haunts a toilet, Peeves causing trouble, just a real sort of laugh riot going on here. And then the Headless Hunt shows up, interrupting Nick's speech and causing a riot. Harry, Ron, and Hermione have just decided to leave when Harry hears the voice again. The others can't hear it, and it's moving in strange directions. Harry takes off after it and stops dead at a large puddle of water and a message on the wall. The Chamber of Secrets has been opened. Enemies of the air beware. And underneath, hanging from a torch bracket, is the stiff figure of Mrs. Norris. The real Halloween party lets out, and they're cornered by the whole student body, including Draco Malfoy, who is delighted. Minute 50 on the nose. You're making this look easy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and weirdly, like, a lot of stuff happens in this chapter. It flows well, though, for this one. Yes, it's not not necessarily the, like, we've had a couple of real choppy chapters that have been full of different scenes. And this one has a lot of scenes, but we kind of, it leads us along through it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so recap over. BJ, what what are we talking about this week? Okay, so the pepper up potion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the best thing ever. Um, <laughs> it, it 100% is like meth with uh, visual aids. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, from the chapter, um, Ginny Weasley, who had been looking pale, was bullied into taking some by Percy. The steam pouring from under her vivid hair gave the impression that her whole head was on fire. Yeah, essentially, like, it works instantly. It leaves the drinker smoking from the ears afterwards and is sort of a cure-all, maybe? Um, Sure. For any of your down-in-the-drums and uh, otherwise unhappy woes. Um, the other thing that, that I just have to comment about, um, is quick spell. Um, cause it's like the best thing. <laughs> um, okay, tell us, tell us about it. it it's the Enzite commercial of the wizarding world. Um, correspondence course in beginner's magic. And it's basically like, are you having trouble performing spells? <laughs> Are ever been taunted for your woeful wand work? I mean, really, like this is not a big jump that this is an Enzite commercial. I feel like this weird little interlude was just made for you on this podcast, BJ. I, it, it's great. Okay, so so the whole thing, the whole thing is feel out of step in the world of modern magic. Find yourself making excuses not to perform simple spells. Ever been taunted for your woeful wand work? There's an answer. And I mean, Quick Spell is an all new, fail safe, quick result, easy learn course. Hundreds of witches and wizards have benefited from the Quick Spell method. Madam Z Nettles of Topsum. Topsham? Topsum? I don't know. I had no memory for incantations, and my potions were a family joke. Now, after the quick sp- a quick spell course, I am the center of attention at parties, and friends beg for the recipe f- of my scintillation solution. Warlock DJ Prod of Didsbury. 
<laughs> also, DJ Prod is is just the a great yeah. name. A hundred percent. A little bit before the DJ culture became a big thing, but she was a kind DJ of DJ Prod. Exactly. My wife oh, used man. to sneer at my feeble charms, but one month of your fabulous Quickspell course, and I succeeded in turning her into a yak. Thank you, Quickspell. So, yeah. It's yeah. it's just this is this is like the best thing that she's created. <laughs> I I a hundred percent would read a book about the like company and everything about Quickspell and maybe all of the other like mail order wizarding world things because it's like the best version of of HD TV or whatever and like all of the gizmos and gadgets that they've got to be selling. You know, like a a wrist uh, wrap for 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 your wand, so you, it never falls <laughs> out of your hand. Um, yeah, I. This also makes me wonder what multi level marketing looks like in the wizard wizarding God. world. It's a lot more like um, Fantasia than oh sure <laughs> ever splitting brooms rather than uh, <laughs> actually like getting other people to sell things. No, no, the market never ends. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I had a hunch that you were going to like this particular part of this chapter, BJ. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that was pretty great. I mean, the other thing, and we try not to talk about some of these things too much, but the salamander and fireworks thing, um, salamanders sort of being fire beings, and it's just like, well, what mm-hmm. happens if we feed it fireworks kind of did tickle me less in the torturing animals kind of way, but... Um, I did try and convince somebody to um, give some animals pop rocks. Um, oh. And I haven't succeeded, but I do think it would be... <laughs> that seemed like it should have had a yet at the end of it, which I have questions <laughs> about, PJ. <laughs> well, it kind of is yet. <laughs> okay. So that's my... Uh, I will turn it over to, to Newbie's notes. Okay. Uh, well, Sarah, like you said, that is a really special picture to start this chapter off with. Mm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all the pictures of these books can be just, well, thought-provoking. We commented before that, uh, the Mandrakes were very interesting from a prior chapter, but this, this one is, well, it's Mrs. Norris with her tail tied to a scone, seemingly paralyzed, looking to the side, and, yeah, the, the art style of these opening chapters is just lovely. Also, her tail must be four feet long to make this happen, as it yeah. is happening in this picture. Hadn't thought of that. That is true. That tail is stretching on, stretching on quite far. Yeah. Uh, the name of this chapter led me to be convinced this, was, this chapter is going to be a little bit Tim Burtony, and man, did I call that right. <laughs> uh, but before we get on to uh, nearly headless Nick's birthday or death day party, Nick himself is just awesome. It was nice to spend a little time with him, but him helping out Harry, uh, his letters and concerns, the ver- the culture of the dead and how they go about go about their lives or deaths or however you want to put this, confusing. It, it's interesting. Afterlife. Nick himself is a what? Sure. Uh, well, but they're still hanging out with the living, so yeah, it's a weird thing. Um, but Nick himself is awesome, and I feel I enjoy spending time with him. I feel also really bad for him over the course of this chapter. The fact that we just see his death day party just utterly spoiled by other people, and that's just kind of how it ends. His speech interrupted, and he just kind of sulks off the stage. It's just kind of sad, really, that even in death, you can't escape people showing you up like this. I know, and we encounter him at the beginning of this chapter, like, so... 
simultaneously downtrodden and incensed about this letter that he has gotten from Sir Nicholas, De, uh, I'm sorry, Sir Sir Patrick Delaney Podmore, mm-hmm. uh, who he later calls as Sir Pop- Properly Decapitated Podmore, which makes me really happy. <laughs> yeah, it seems the concerns of the living do not cease when you're dead. All the same mm-hmm. patterns just, in, just tend to continue. Very petty. Some of these names feel like a little bit of a Discworld crossover to me. <laughs> uh... We talked about Filcher's records, and good God, I'd love to spend some time with that. Just going through Ron's brothers' file must be a fascinating exercise in mischief. But is it wrong that I'm starting to sympathize with Filch a little bit? Uh, It seems like he has a damn frustrating job, if his job is the one to clean up all the messes that the students make on grounds. I can only imagine the daily hell this guy has to go through. I mean, if Muddy Footprints is just a light day of things he has to clean up and, you know, deal with students who have no concept they're tracking them everywhere, I... It sounds like a very unpleasant job that he's doing. Well, and you couple that with the fact that what we have, we have learned for certain in this chapter, that he can't do magic. Yeah, but he, sh- he should be able to do magic. Yeah, I had a question about that. You guys had told me before that he was a... Um, a squib. Squib, that was the word. And squibs can't do magic right? They either, it's a little unclear if they like can't do magic at all or if it's just Well, with this they, one they can't, pill oh, well. puts that back um, in their wand. Stop. Um, <laughs> or if they can't do magic my, my sense is they either can't do magic at all or they certainly can't do magic to an extent that would allow them to like study at Hogwarts for example. That, that was my question. Either way, this is really sad of him yeah. going through this quick spell. Yeah, it's really it's, sad. I feel like Mrs. It, Weasley could just have kept the entire place clean with like a 15 minute spell and then just been like, all right, mm-hmm. we're done here. Rather than having like somebody track after everybody and, and make everybody's life a living hell. And, and you know, the, that's an interesting question because like we get... We haven't gotten all of it yet, but we get Hagrid's background, right? Like why he is still at Hogwarts. Um, and yes, he is ke- he he can do magic and has kept um, his wand pieces surreptitiously and is using them inside of a pink umbrella. Um, but I wonder if something I wonder if something similar is happening with Filch. It's an interesting thing to ponder. I almost the life of a squib in the Wizarding World seems like it would suck. Mm-hmm. It seems like you wouldn't get much in the way of representation or rights or even ability to practically involve yourself in the world. So for a guy with that kind of situation, I guess a play, his position at Hogwarts at least gives him a measure of authority and control that he otherwise would just lack in the world. Even if he has to spend every day next to all of these kids who like have this innate sense of magic and are actively learning to wield it better. Yeah, but... I don't just, know. He, he can't avoid that anyway. At least this way he gets to punish them. Yeah, well, he does seem to enjoy that. He also really likes his cat. That too. Uh, <laughs> as for the death day party, uh, I'm in Hermione's camp here. I'm in. I'm going. That just sounds interesting. <laughs> You've got a whole room of people that apparently were one of them died in 1492. The stories you would get in that room while they're eating horrendously rotten food would just be worth the trip. I, I, find, I When they originally left, I thought it was just Ron and Harry leaving, because they're the only ones that actually talk. And I just thought Hermione was just staying behind because she was too fascinated to go with them. Uh, again, as BJ noted, this book has a real interesting relationship with animal cruelty. Uh, it just kind of goes into the twisted sense of humor that runs through all of this. Like, the real the detail they go into in describing how Nick died, how he's just, 
Yeah, you know, I'm not headless, but it took 40 whacks with a dull axe. That should be something. It sucked at the time. <laughs> Shouldn't I get something out of it? These books have a very interesting macabre sense of humor, which is just a lot of fun. Uh, the implications of what's what of what's Myrtle's first name? Moaning uh, Myrtle. Moaning Myrtle's death. <laughs> I don't think concerning. that's her first name. <laughs> I think Myrtle is her first name. Title. Sure. Uh, Description. Uh, favorite hobby. Gnome de Guerre. Who knows? Uh, we've seen that uh, those that are dead have. A, a, a visual element or a location element attached to the manner in which they died. Mm-hmm. So the fact that according to the descriptions, did I read this right, that they say that she like lives in a toilet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that she has the, concerning the implications. That, that, that none of the female students will use this particular bathroom. Well, all that just has concerning implications that yeah. I'm afraid where they're going to go in this story. Uh, again, we're the, whatever this wandering voice or creature or ghost is, it's totally Doom Guy because he's just nonstop talking about ripping and tearing wherever it goes. It seems to have some connection, maybe, to the Chamber of Secrets because Harry's pursuit of it led to it. And but as for that line, the Chamber of Secrets open enemies of the air beware. I have no idea how to make what to make of that. But the fact that Malfoy does seems like there's just a flashing sign over his head saying probable cause here, arrest and interrogate this person. (laughs) He walks into the room and immediately recognizes the sign and repeats it to everybody and targets it at Mudbloods. Again, someone tell a teacher. This, he has indicated there's a reasonable suspicion to check his locker right now. (laughs) But that is all I got for right now. Okay, so we're going to go into house points. This is a real tough chapter, guys. (laughs) On house points, I there is not there is really not a real winner here. Uh, I disagree with you. Okay, Ooh. I mean Malfoy has a good moment at the end. Peeves. Oh, oh, that's right. Oh no, Peeves has a great day. You are absolutely right. Peeves has a great day. Uh, did nearly headless Nick at Nick asked him to do something that he would have done anyway, and then he gets to annoy people at a party. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And de- devastate Myrtle, like yes. get get Hermione yep. in trouble with Myrtle. You're, like, no, you're absolutely right. <laughs> but, a thousand percent fair point. Um, yep. Yes, Peeves' ultimate winner of this chapter. Um, I would posit that there are two options for the loser here. Uh, nearly headless Nick has not had a had a great day. Uh, his death day party has been a disaster for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I would suggest that Filch is having a worse day. Filch may be, may be having a worse life. Well, that's... Or afterlife, or some combination of the two. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, Harry finding the... So his day started out bad and good, um, because someone is tracking mud onto his floors, but he gets a chance to punish somebody. So, like, I don't know. That's fine. Um... But Harry finds this quick spell thing, which is clearly mortifying, clearly really terrible. And then by the end of the chapter, Mrs. Norris is hanging by, like his only friend is the, in the world, is hanging by her tail from a wall sconce. I think I've got to give it to Filch. This is an unmitigated disaster of a day. I, yeah, I agree. You got nothing of what he wanted. No. Um... Not that he really ever does, but it got really highlighted in this chapter. <laughs> he probably enjoyed the process of watching Ron polish all of the trophies in the last chapter. Maybe not so much Ron vomiting slugs on one of them, but then it just gave an opportunity to punish him more. It j- yeah, it just extended the process. 
Um, so, yeah. All right. I think I think we're good there. What <laughs> questions do you all have? <laughs> um, <laughs> the, right now, the question that I have is, why am I looking at an article that is talking about squib mutations and squib mutation carriers as the genetic uh, formulations for a squib? But anyway... Is that in-universe or someone doing fan fiction analysis of this? Um, it's a live science article, so I wouldn't quite call oh, it God. fan fiction, but like, eh. Um, mm. But J.K. Rowling does have her own um, fan fiction where magic is a dominant and resilient gene, um, according to her website. So, hmm. Okay. Anyway, um, I, I just got down the hole of uh, squibs being a thing and how does that work. So... Um, thank you, Spun. Um, I have a very simple question, Sarah. Okay. Why was the Death Day celebration catered? And if and if so, who did so? Uh. <laughs> I guess maybe it's not that easy of a question. Um, I don't, well, I, yeah, I don't know. Honestly, now I, I've never considered such a question. Um, I would assume that it was catered because, like, the polite thing to do is to cater parties. <laughs> but but it seems like you could either have ghostly food, but having yeah. real food that none of the ghosts, real food that is spoiled that none of the ghosts yeah. can really do anything with, seems like a really weird way to go about it. And also, if they hadn't shown up, it seems like essentially only... Peeves the poltergeist can really affect the real world. Everybody just sort of floats around. And so there's <laughs> a pile of rotting and moldy food that no one can actually interact with. So either I don't know. It is it is suggestion it is it is suggested that if you as a ghost float through the rotting food at the level of your stomach that you can somehow experience it in some way. Uh, but that seems like wishful thinking, I would say. So why it has been catered, I, I really have no idea. Although I didn't, I have not in many years of reading this book ever questioned the fact that this party was catered. But as to who has done the catering, I have also never pondered that question, but I do believe that the only possible answer is that the house elves have done it. <laughs> Man, that was a hell of an order that they got them for that. Yeah. Dobby does they, disgusting they, they are Many and resourceful. It probably also adds to what's going to be a horrible day for Filch, because you know they're not going to clean up after this. He's just going to well, get a call can't. saying... they can't, like, interact with it. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, the house elves could clean it up, I guess. Peeves is definitely not going to clean up. Oh, he's going to help in his own way. It's going to end up on the walls. <laughs> It's gonna be an art project. I mean, it is a dungeon. Like, so are the dungeons like spotless, or are the dungeons dungeony? I I think it's a little column A, little column B, because like the potions classes, like there are some classes that happen in the dungeons. That's very very UNC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Spencer. Uh, I'm gonna work off one of those, but was Hogwarts something else before it was a school? Because there are a lot of dungeons in this place. Is it just that any magical castle has to have dungeons? Or was this converted from a different prior purpose? That's a great question. Um, I don't... Oh, there there might be... <laughs> J.K. Rowling might have spoken on this at some point. But within the books themselves, like that Hogwarts was always Hogwarts. I wonder if 
J.K. Rowling watched a bunch of X-Men and mm. saw, like, the X-Men mansion school and was just like, oh, we should have that. And this is what it'll be like. Yeah. I don't know. But there also were a lot of, like, troll wars. So... <laughs> Fortified you <know>. locations are useful. <laughs> you, never, you never know what um, institutions are going to be requisitioned in the time of war. Yeah, it, it's kind of interesting that they've just kind of vaguely referenced countless troll wars, goblin rebellions. This is a very militaristic society, at least there's a very militaristic history attached to it. I know, and we are like a deep in the middle of just like very genteel British society at this point. <laughs> like, where is this happening? So We're in the interwar period. <laughs> very on point for the UK. Yeah, well, <laughs> sure. Elsewhere is where it's happening. Elsewhere. Hmm. Pax Did- Britannica. Did the Troubles happen in Harry Potter? Cool. Uh, ask Seamus. Um, but, but more seriously, what is headless hockey? Oh, um, yeah. So we get, do you mean headless polo? Uh, maybe. I thought it was. You had oh, we got two games. There were two games that were mentioned. Well, but one and is one... actively played while. Yes. While, and that one is polo, right? Uh, nearly headless Nick tries to. So. Sir Patrick and the rest of the Headless Hunt just had just started a game of headless, of head hockey, and the crowd was turning to watch. What on earth okay. was going on? And was this? We I feel like we should watch the movies at some point. But was this actually a scene in the movies? Yeah, it it, it was. Um, and so this scene had it more like polo. But I assume were... when they are saying hockey, they they are meaning more like field hockey. Gotcha. I can understand the polo because they were on horseback on arrival. Right. They came in on horseback. So were they using the heads? Or like yes. A head? Sorry. The head is the thing. Okay. Somebody's head. And that's why you have to be headless to be part of the headless hunt. Because you have to be able to use your ghostly head at some point within these games. Well, I mean, that is one of the reasons, I suppose. Is there like a game ball that they sign and give to fans? <laughs> Unclear. You can take a picture with the game ball. How about that? Uh, well, question from me. This, is, this one's to be a little bit broad, but um, how does death and the afterlife work in the Harry Potter universe? Does Is a ghost just a kind of like a default state that everyone can go through? Because there's a lot of ghosts that aren't just associated with Hogwarts, it seems. Yeah, so what we, we get some explanations. Um, I mean, not like super detailed ones, but it seems to function on the kind of world view around ghosts that if you if you become a ghost it is because you have chosen to somehow hmm. um and that you know it could be an unfinished business thing it could be a, a just sort of like you're not ready to move on yet we get we we get some actual conversations with ghosts later that are that are kind of like that or you just want to keep interacting with the real world but it we do not me think about this for a second. We do not ever see a ghost within the Harry Potter world that did not choose to be a ghost. Okay. So are there odds of us like meeting Harry Potter's parents again wandering around somewhere or it's not something that you just default go through. There's an No, L- you don't yeah, you don't default go through it. You I, I don't know what the like form is that you check. Like, <laughs> organ donation Hi, form died. that you check <laughs> um, to become a ghost in the afterlife. Uh, but you have to you have to choose it in some way. It is not a default position. God, I'm picturing like a Comcast dialing and system. Hi, welcome to death. I'm your death assistant today. How would you like to experience your death moment with me? <laughs> uh, well, that's all I got. BJ, any more questions for you? Um, 
I thought you were going to have more than one spell. I had two. Oh, that's true. Um, so does Filch have a wand, and are wands sort of readily available for, like, people wizarding world adjacent? Or is he just, like, doing magic willy-nilly without a wand? Yeah, that's a good question on how, like, quick spell would work with that. I don't think Filch has a wand. Because it, it really seems to me that, like, you, you kind of only get a wand. If you're a wizard. Like, you have yeah, to show the membership like, yeah. card. Yeah. Or, like, your acceptance letter or something <laughs> something like that. Can you give some verification on this? Um, so, I guess a follow-up to that is, can squibs do all of the things that, like, aren't, like, inherently magic? Like, could he become a potion maker? Or is that also wizard specific because it doesn't really seem Mm -hmm. like it because Mm -hmm. you can do it without a wand right yeah no it feels like it feels like he could probably do potions um except for the fact that they're very complicated but it feels like he he could do potions and because we hates him yeah um because it, it also feels like he could do he could like and do a sort of Hagrid thing, right? And care for magical creatures in some way where you don't actually need magic. You just have to be in that world. Yeah. So, yeah, that, se- that seems fair. I guess it seems weird that he's not, like, pursuing those or maybe he just is embarrassed or something. Like, it seems like... Yeah. It also seems like he would ac- have access to the library. So doing, like, a, a correspondence course seems, like, weird. When he is already kind of there... Yeah. Yeah, but the correspondence courses promise the like quick results without a whole lot of effort. Uh, yeah, <laughs> what, what, the nail on the head was a little bit there. Yeah. Let's, let's also be fair that in terms of participating in the wizarding world, chemistry and animal husbandry aren't probably the ones you necessarily think of when you like want to be a wizard. He seems like he's going for the flash here. He wants to be able to cast spells because that's the proper wizard experience. Does he become really good friends with Lockhart? Uh, no, although we do see them interact, I think, in the next chapter. <laughs> huh. I'm, I'm starting to wonder whether Lockhart is just a squib with really good marketing. Because have we seen him successfully cast anything yet? Have we seen him successfully cast? No, we have not. Do we get to? Yes, okay. we do. Oh, all right. Well, that theory's out the window. No, so we, Lockhart is not a squib. Um, Lockhart has d- d- very particular talents. is that why all of the middle-aged wizarding mothers like him so much we are we are getting saucy in this particular chapter of harry potter um what other questions do you all have i think that's it as far as chapters go like while this was while things happened they're, they're, they didn't leave a lot of open questions, I feel like. No, it's a relatively like straightforward yeah. chapter. Or yeah. the questions are very plot-oriented, which... Right. Yeah. Like, we could ask you about the Chamber of Secrets has opened, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not going to be able to talk about that, Spencer. Yeah, it, it feels like a question I'm supposed to be asking, <laughs> rather than one I just want to grill you on. Yes. Um, okay, so next week we have Chapter 9, The Writing on the Wall. Well, that's appropriate, given where where the last one ends. We are going literal now. Yes. And what I'm guessing is a picture of Myrtle. Yeah, I can can go ahead and tell you that we are going to encounter Myrtle again. All right. Looking forward to it. Sounds good, y'all. See you next time.